We work hard as physicians to take care of the health and well-being of our patients. But when it comes to our money, do we have the same condition of care? Probably, probably not. Let's change that together. Welcome to the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast, where we'll fight and advocate for your financial literacy. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. Thanks for being here. Let's jump into the show. Hey guys, I want to welcome you guys to the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. We've got a great episode this week. Before we begin, please hit the subscribe button as well as the notifications bell and be sure to like, comment, and share if you like this episode and we'll get into this week's sponsor and show. This week's episode is sponsored by CityVest. CityVest has quickly become the most popular and best way for doctors to invest in top-performing real estate private equity funds that are usually reserved for institutional investors. This unique access to investing in these institutional funds is available for the first time ever through CityVest easy and secure online investment platform. CityVest does the hard work of conducting due diligence and vetting the investments. They even get a third-party due diligence report that is posted on their website. As a result of aggregating a several million dollar investment amount into their access funds, CityVest gains access to investing in the institutional investment and is able to negotiate better investment terms such as a 12% preferred return. You can check them out at cityvest.com or go to the link in the show notes below. Now on to the show. So welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. And I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, we started out with physicians and we're slowly expanding our reach, impacting more listeners. And we all tell four types of freedom. The first is financial, emotional, location, and time freedom. And so I try to bring guests that are doing innovative cutting edge things that are out of the box and try to bring them to you so that you can see what's going on, formulate your own ideas and get ahead in today's extremely uncertain world. So today we have John Ostensen and he's going to talk about the world of non-food franchise opportunities. And a little bit about John before beginning, he's the foremost expert on the fast growing world of non-food franchising. So he's had experience as an Inc. 500 franchiser, a multi-brand franchisee, a franchise investor, author, and consultant. And he's here because he has a passion for educating and supporting others as they explore business ownership opportunities. So John, John, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Love the show and uh, love what you're doing for so many. Yeah, yeah. I know we were we were talking about um, a little bit backstage, and uh, you know, really, we're trying to expand and open up and see different worlds of possibility. And typically, you know, my niche was interested in real estate investing and consulting, but you have a very interesting background and experience as a franchiser. So um, we'll talk about all about that. Uh, but before we begin, just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started and uh, go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, like many of your listeners, uh, you know, in my case, I was not a, a physician. However, um, you know, certainly appreciate all the work that they do and, and do a lot of work with them. Uh, but no, my background is in the corporate world. I uh, did the 
ladder climb as so many uh, do and had a good run. But uh, about six years ago, I made the move from a public company to a private company uh, with um, Shelf Genie Franchise System. Had the opportunity to come in, serve as their president, and uh, support our franchise owners all across North America, you know, their marketing and their the call center and the technology teams and all the support engines. And it really opened up my eyes to this world I've now dubbed non-food franchising. Uh, you know, the, the fact is there are a lot of ways to make money out there. And, um, you know, a lot of people would rather not do it through the food space. And, and so that, that was really eye-opening to me that fast food is not the only area of franchising. And so long story short, ended up uh, you know, spinning off with the founder of Shelf Genie, along with other partners, we've invested in franchises ourselves as franchisees. So we've been on both sides of the table now. And, and uh, fortunately, we've got good people in place running those businesses for us, which a lot of my clients you know, follow down that path as well. And uh, it allows me to spend about 90% of my time uh, connecting would-be entrepreneurs or, or existing business owners uh, with um, with opportunities. And, you know, there's roughly 4,000 franchise brands in the U.S. About half of those are uh, in the food space, half are not. And we'll hit on all these ind- industries, I'm sure, in a few minutes. But we focus in the, those other half and, um, you know, represent about 500 brands that we vetted, feel really good about uh, for our clients. And uh, we get to walk them through a process where we play matchmaker and introduce them to the opportunities that are the best fit for them, as well as those that we see resonating with others with similar backgrounds uh, around the country. That's awesome. That's such an amazing introduction. And uh, I know, you know, we have listeners from, you know, newbie all the way to experience. So, you know, nutshell, just give a just briefly, what is franchising, you know, why it's so hot, um, and we'll go from there. Absolutely. You know, franchising, first off, I'll say it's not right for everyone. I, I do have some clients as a member of entrepreneurs organizations, some current business owners come to me and I have to tell them, no, you're too entrepreneurial. You want to put your thumbprints all over everything and, you know, don't think it's the right fit. However, for so many, I'd say the vast majority, you know, franchising does make a lot of sense from a business ownership standpoint. And you know, some of the reasons are, you know, you've got a playbook on day one, you know, you don't have to go question product market fit. Instead, you know, that path to profitability and you can start executing on it. It's been proven out already in other markets. Uh, you've got a franchisor on the sidelines that acts as a coach. You know, the better you do, the better they do. And you know, not all franchisors are created equally. That's why we carefully vet them, you know, because that's an important relationship. Um, you know, you've got other franchisees, other owners across the country or across North America, and you know, they're living the same thing day in, day out. And, you know, you're constantly exchanging best practices, whether it be in testing marketing vehicles or finding areas, uh, pools of talent, you know, exchanging those learnings back and forth. And, and also, you know, obviously as, as a business owner, you're, you're building a cash flow, you're able to write off expenses, but you're also building an asset that should have exit value down the road. And, uh, you know, a really interesting study was done recently that, that I think opened up a lot of people's eyes to, to what that looks like. Um, the, the Rinker School of Business looked at 4,000 business transactions over a 20-year period. And what they found was, you know, they looked at franchised and non-franchised and like-kind industries. And they found that franchise businesses traded a multiple of one and a half times non-franchised. And so that there's value to that resale buyer down at the end of the line uh, as well. Awesome. It's so powerful. So for example, when we in business and entrepreneurship, we talk about, you know, what you discussed was the product market fit. And then another thing that a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners talk about is scalability. So how how is um, franchising a scalable, ultimately a scalable business? 
you know, we see a couple of different paths. It, very oftentimes, clients of ours will buy three territories or five territories. You know, we, we've had several buy 10 territories recently in a few businesses. Um, but what they'll do is they'll start operating in one and then scale to the others over time. And, you know, in a service-based business, uh, you know, which you know, say home and property services, uh, typically territories defined as 250,000 or 300,000 population. So you're buying an area. In other cases, if it's a retail customer-facing type business, uh, you you're, you're purchasing locations that might have a radius around them that's protected from, from others moving in. So, um, yeah, th- that is one path to really go deep with a brand and build it out maybe in, in that market as well as additional markets. Another strategy that a lot of clients are employing that, that's one that, frankly, I do as well with it with my partners, and that's to invest in multiple franchises um, that either complement each other or maybe they diversify from each other. Um, one client of mine is, a, is the largest franchisee of two men in a truck moving service uh, over in Columbia, South Carolina, 39 years old. He's built it up to uh, 10 markets, $30 million business. Well, he's now got a little organization under him and he's bought businesses that really don't have anything in common with the moving business, but these other franchises that stand alone, both in Columbia as well as in other markets. And uh, in each case, he's put a young general manager in place, 26, 27 years old. And you know, in his case, he's given them some equity and incentivized them and set them up for success. And every deal that we've done together, he's come back and bought additional locations within the first year, which is always a great, you know, great validation right there. So, so the, the, a couple of different strategies that you can deploy, whether it be complementary or uh, diversifying. And and you mentioned real estate. I mean, I I personally invest in real estate. I'd say more than half of my clients do. And there's a lot of ways to, you know, diversify your investment pool with franchising, but also in some cases, there are businesses that very directly complement those real estate investments. Um, So definitely a lot of synergy between those two. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, um, now we've got the nuts and bolts. Um, and typically when people think of franchise, you know, they think of McDonald's or Subway or Dunkin' Donuts. Um, what are some of the opportunities outside of food, just for example, in some examples? Yeah, you know, and, and I'll really briefly touch on food. You know, the reason we, we've we kind of focused in other areas outside of food, I, I think the food's a different animal. It does require a lot of capital to start up. It can be a little more trendy and Obviously, COVID wasn't great for uh, for food. And so 95% of my clients don't want anything to do with food. 5% love food, but 95% don't. My background's not food. And uh, so that's where um, it allows us to go deeper in other areas by eliminating that piece. Um, you know, really coming out of COVID, there's been no hotter area than home and property services. You know, $600 billion market, everything from gutters to insulation to renovations to um, you know, I'm personally invested in a driveway business. I mean, it's a great niche, no other national player in it. You know, it's a fragmented space. We come in with a white collar approach and we don't even have to market that business. There's such customer demand and it's a revenue fund growing that. Um, you know, so home and property services, you know, and some of those could be recurring revenue, like, you know, let's say pool cleaning. Others may be more high ticket, like a garage renovation. Uh, I just had a client purchase that um, who's actually a pharmacist. Uh, uh-huh. And so that's a popular space automotive you know when you look at the fact that 15 years from now less than 10 percent of cars on the road will be electric even though it's getting the headlines there's still a long runway ahead for um you know for the auto industry we, we had a client recently purchased 10 locations 
of an oil change concept that allows for prefabricated buildings backed by an investor group in unused parking spaces of a retailer shopping center. So just a very different model that's very customer convenient uh, and friendly, but also a great model for the owner on the back end and very much a semi-absentee, semi-passive uh, type, type business. Um, you know, I always joke that people will spend money on their health, they'll spend money on their homes, their, their kids and their pets. And so any businesses that support those in there are a lot of different ways that they do. Those are great spaces to be in. And oftentimes they're Amazon resistant, in some cases, COVID resistant, recession resistant. So you know, those are the trends that, that or themes that we're seeing out there. Uh, certainly, you know, you look at the macro trend of 60,000 or uh, 10,000 people turning 65 every day, you know, businesses that cater to the aging population, whether it be in-home direct care or uh, businesses that allow someone to stay in the home longer and age in place, things like wheelchair ramps and stair lifts and, you know, retrofitting the, the bathroom to, you know, to make it handicap accessible. You know, there are a lot of little niches that people just don't think of. Um, I, I just had a client over in, uh, that, that, that bought into a dumpster business back in the fall. <laughs> There's a business, non-sexy. And I, and I joke that non-sexy is the new sexy. That's what people are gravitating towards. But you know, it's a dumpster business. He's blown out his plans. He just came back and, you know, raised some capital and he's expanding to other markets. And, um, you know, had an engineer recently buy a business coaching uh, uh, franchise. And so all sorts of niches that probably 90% of our clients don't know about or don't think about when they first engage with us. Yeah, it's so fascinating because it's, uh, it's so eye-opening, the different types of opportunities. And um, and it's just so great to see, you know, people such as yourself come onto the show and just tell us, you know, these things are possible, these things are happening. And so, and I know a lot of the audience are interested in, so you get into a franchise existing, tell us some of the, you know, successes, um, you know, the returns, you know, some of the downsides, pitfalls, what they should be looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'd say first off, um, you know, roughly half of our clients are what we call owner operators, uh, where they're looking to make the jump, you know, and run a business full time, you know, that that is very common. But we also see a lot that are what we call an executive model or semi passive semi absentee where, you know, they can put in a little bit of time, but you know, their, their preference is to really coach that manager, put someone in place day one that goes through training that, you know, can run the business. And obviously their success is going to come down. I mean, we, you know, franchising you know, can make the phones ring, answer the phones, you know, do everything on the back end, but they still need to have a good leader uh, running that business. And, and we have some strategies to help them find that individual and coach them up. So um, for those that, you know, I, I'd say, you know, the financial model, if you're paying someone versus not paying someone that definitely, uh, you know, comes into play, but, no, in an example, 75% of our clients purchase, uh, invest franchises between deal size of 125000 and 300000 We have some a little higher, some a little bit lower, but that's kind of the sweet spot, I'd say, within there. And that's all an investment. That includes your franchise fee, any working capital out of the gate, startup costs. You know, if there's a retail space, it includes that build out, um, any equipment, inventory, that sort of thing. Um, so that would be your all in investment. And the returns that we're seeing on this, uh, on the businesses really are eye opening, uh, oftentimes to our clients. You know, and you, you get to review what's called the item 19, the, which is a piece of the franchise disclosure document that every franchise system has. It shows the average of other owners in the system, what their financial performance has been. So you know, between that and talking to other owners through what we call validation uh, prior to your purchase, you really get an eyes wide open look 
prior to making the decision, is this right for me or not? So uh, that's really our goal in the process that we take clients through is to, is to give them that eyes wide open view. But um, no, I mentioned the gutter business. Uh, you know, we, we actually have done three deals there in the last two months. One was a Wall Street attorney outside of Boston, late 40s no background in the gutter business, uh, you know, but he loved the financial model. We, we had uh, two brothers in the insurance business from South Carolina that got into it, into the gutters. And we had a corporate executive uh, sales and marketing background in New Jersey that, that recently bought in. But, you know, one, what they liked was, you know, the average franchise location is doing 1.2 million in revenue um, across all their franchisees. That's the average. And they're averaging about 380 on the bottom line. So very healthy from a margin standpoint after you, all your expenses are paid. Um, you know, and, and I'd say that's at the upper end from a margin percentage standpoint, but a lot of the opportunities we work with are not too far off. And we've got a great fence and rail business right now that I, I've got 16 clients engaged in and, and they're absolutely thrilled. Problem is the markets are going pretty fast. Um, you know, but it's a business where your average first year revenue is 1.7 million. Second year is 2.8 third year is 3.8 and that's at a 10 to 20% bottom line margin. Um, you know, they've got Home Depot as a national accounts so that's driving their lead source. So you're really able to get up and running pretty fast and, and even run it semi-absentee. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. I know a lot of people are interested. How, how can they get started? Um, you know, what resources uh, such as yourself um, and how can they, you know, actually look into starting or buying a franchise? Yeah, you know, certainly they can Google around out there and on the internet. The, the challenge with that is you're going to see the best foot forward from each company. They're they're going to be delivering their marketing materials, and you, you'll be able to not not necessarily see behind the scenes. And, and that's where we come in. I mean, we do more deals than 99% of other brokers out there, and we've got the relationships with the franchisors, and we can leverage those oftentimes. Um, but we've already done the vetting, we've done the hard work, and. Um, the great thing is our process to engage with us is entirely free. There's no cost ever, and the franchisors pay us this. And for them, it's a sales and marketing cost on the back end. None of that ever gets passed on to our clients in any way. So it's a very clean model uh, you know, from our standpoint. Um, and what we've done is we've streamlined the process. We've done the vetting of the franchisors. What we'll do is we'll spend a little bit of time on a call with the franchise with the candidate and uh, you know talk through you know the role they want to play in the business, their financial profile, you know what's uh, their market uh, looking like, you know where's the opportunity. We we go through a handful of different questions, and then based on that feedback and based on what we see going on across the country with other uh, you know would be entrepreneurs and, and what's resonating with them, uh, we we take that insight. And then we drill down to what are those opportunities that are the best fit that are available in their market. Typically, we end up with somewhere between six and 10 opportunities that we will then review with our clients. Um, you know, and we'll do a Zoom call, share the screen, talk through these different opportunities. And from there, they'll pick usually three opportunities, give or take, um, in which we'll make an introduction to the franchisor. And then they enter the franchisor's uh, you know, discovery process. And at any point in time, they can say, hey, that's not for me. I want to back out. Um, it can be an iterative process. You know, we're serving as a sounding board throughout the process and, and helping them think through, you know, if this is the right fit and things that they're hearing and learning. And, um, you know, they're developing that lens from which they're analyzing businesses and comparing A versus B and what are the pros and cons. So uh, it can be a really fun process to go through. Um, it's very educational. And, you know, like I said, we've streamlined it. Uh, the franchisor will take them through an overview, the unit economics where they get into the financials. They'll take them through the FDD review, uh, map out the locations in their market. 
uh, go through the validation where they get to talk to other owners. Then ultimately culminates in what's called a discovery day where uh, our client will spend typically a day, day and a half with the franchisor at their home home office, um, you know, meeting with all the franchisor's teams and making sure both ways that, that it's the right fit. And uh, from there decide, you know, if, if they want to move forward. And, you know, we help our clients on the funding side, whether it be with SBA loans or through, you know, using their retirement plans. That's an oft, a very popular way to, to self-direct <laughs> IRAs and 401ks. It's called a ROBS program. Uh, so we help them on that piece on the legal side and just kind of holding their hand the whole way through. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, there's so many um, topics and ideas, you know, from your answers. And um, the the other question a lot of the audience would have is, you know, they, they, they retired or they semi-retired, they start their own business and they realize, you know, they go into business and they actually, you know, own a job or own a new business, uh, new own a job, another job. And so um, how can franchises be run as passive or semi-passive? Yeah. You know, I'd say passive is tough. You know, very few lend themselves to truly being passive. However, if you find a good general manager to run the business, and again, I've got client case study after client case study of ones that have been able to do that where, you know, they set them up on day one, they go through training. They're essentially, you know, the, the better that, they perform the bet, you know, more money they make, you know, you're aligning those interests, but, um, you know, setting them up and then, you know, really playing to your high payoff activities, you know, is, is that, that, and, you know, getting involved in the local chamber or using your network, maybe, you know, some of your real estate investing clients that they've got networks of brokers or, um, you know, other personnel in the market that they can leverage those relationships from a referral source standpoint. So, you know, it really allows them to get out of the weeds of the day-to-day and focus on their activities. You know, but it comes down to having a good manager, which, you know, is easier said than done. You know, your first one may not be the right fit and then you have to scramble to find and find another one. So, um, you know, one thing that we do uh, is one of our clients that's been very successful at finding great general managers and just has had a lot of success is now coaching our clients. And so we will actually fund a couple of coaching calls out of the gate with this guy and he will share with them all of his learnings best practices and really you know get get them out of the gate strong mm, wow that's the other question i had is um what type of um person personality or what type of industry is is a great fit for for franchising because a lot of the clientele they come from um either law dentistry medicine uh, and a lot of real estate investors mm-hmm. so what type of um, industries are great fit like for transitioning from one industry into franchising? Yeah, you know, some of our clients have a sales background. I'd say that's always an asset, no matter what you're going to do. You know, but but that's not a prerequisite because you know maybe you're more on the admin operations side, and your first hire is going to be a, a sales-driven general manager. Let's say, um, you know, but sometimes you can't pigeonhole people. Our we have a general manager that's uh, 28 years old running the driveway business that I mentioned. Well, his background over the past five years, he's been a CPA for one of the big four accounting firms. Well, he was eager to break out of those four walls and, and go build something. <laughs> um, so you can't find diamonds in the rough sometimes. So you certainly can't uh, prejudge. But now what, what I've told, um, you know, when I when I was at Shelf Genie and I had, you know, hundreds of franchisees across the country and, you know, they, oftentimes they would come to me at the very beginning and say, wait a minute, again, you're you're running the marketing for us. You're making the phones ring. In our case, we were actually answering the phones for them, booking appointments. Um, you know, you're, you're doing the product development, you're doing the technology, you're training our teams. 
what do we do on a day-to-day basis? And my answer inevitably was, you know, it comes down to people. It's one with your team. It's finding, <clears throat> finding talent, incentivizing, retaining them, and making tough calls when needed. But then also, you know, some of that grassroots involvement on the local level, even if, even if the franchisor is running marketing, you know, Google and Facebook ads for you, let's say, you know, if you can still get involved and sponsor that little league baseball team or, or you know, get involved in the chamber of commerce or get the name out there, uh, you know, friends and family, and you know, that's always very helpful. Wow, this has been such a fascinating. I have so many questions, and um, you know, we'll maybe have a follow up interview afterwards. You know, have you return? Um, I, I know there's going to be a lot of interest in this show. So, how what is the best way to contact you, find out about you, read more about you, or even work with you? Yeah, you know, I'd say as a first step, come out to our website, frambridgeconsulting.com, and we have a place where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter, and we try to deliver great content in there every month, and so that would be a first step. We'll also make sure that all of your listeners get a copy of our book uh, that releases in Q3 on non-food franchising, so really excited about that. Um, and then secondly, if, if it is an area that you'd like to explore further, uh, you know, certainly reach out to me, uh, John at frambridgeconsulting.com, no H and John, just J-O-N at frambridgeconsulting.com, and you know, would love to engage um, in a quick call and, and kind of you know, figure out if it makes sense to, to take next steps. And, you know, we can certainly share some additional resources as well. So, um, you know, connect with us on social media. I'd say LinkedIn is where we're the most active, you know, posting five or six times a week. But uh, we try to put good content out there and uh, educate people. And certainly if we have the opportunity and privilege to work with you, all the better. Awesome. Awesome. Such a fantastic discussion. I know franchising, I know entrepreneurship, um, and it just opens a whole world opportunity. So John, thanks so much. Um, and we'll see you again on future episodes. Sounds great. I look forward to it. What a fantastic show. I hope you enjoyed our very special guest. Just remember as a shout out to our this week's sponsor, cityvest.com. Cityvest gives you access to the best real estate private equity funds with enhanced investment terms, verified due diligence, and lower risk. You can check them out at cityvest.com or click on the link in the show notes below to hear about their upcoming investment offerings. I'm excited that you made it for another episode. You are truly the best. If you've been following the show for a while, you know that my passion is to bring you the education you need to find your path to financial freedom. Please come back week after week for new content, new resources, and great guests. Until then, if you haven't already, please be sure to check out the website, www.drchrislewmdphd.com for more support. I'll see you next week.